Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and today we're going to be joined by some very special guests. We're going to be joined by the host of the Sports Dime that you can hear on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. The Answer. We're going to be joined by Carolina Teague and Rudy Campos Jr., and we're also going to be joined by a good friend here, Benjamin Bornstein of Project Spurs. Ladies and gentlemen, how are we all doing today? Good. Good. So good. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's always a pleasure having you guys. So we'll start with you, Carolina. Carolina, how has your week been going so far? It's been really good. You know, we got a lot of good things coming up on the sports dime. You know, I know you've seen the guests we've been having, just guest after guest after guest. And then uh, we're just trying to build our chemistry, me and Rudy. That's what we're working on. And um, we have a lot more surprises for you all in the future so i cannot wait to for y'all to see what we have in store man we got some magic tricks coming out of our barney bag (laughs) can't wait to see it and rudy how have you been man i know that you've been doing a whole bunch of double duty behind the scenes and one of those is playing teacher you're doing the 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 social distancing with your daughter the online learning yeah man you know doing the whole virtual learning it's like virtually kicking my you know what and (laughs) Uh, yeah, like Caroline said, just getting stuff ready for the uh, the radio show. You know, we've got stuff coming up, a lot of big things. Plus, also running uh, Sweep the League podcast as well with the, the Fantasy Countdown and 4th and 40 shows. So it's just a lot of work, man. But, hey, I'm doing what I love to do, so I'm just glad to be here. Cool. And, Ben, how have you been, sir? How has your week been going for you? Fantastic. Simply stunning, even. That's how great this week is going. <laughs> Can't wait for Friday. I can't wait for Friday. I'm already starting to drink right now as we're taping this show. And, uh, we're, we're going ahead and uh, pre-recording this before we bring it live to the masses. Just to go ahead and give some revelations there so what we're at, as far as what we're doing behind the scenes. But what we're going to wind up doing here is we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about some San Antonio Spurs basketball. And one of the things where we're going to go ahead and kick the show off with is... We're going to go ahead and talk about draft picks. So we're going to go ahead and start with ladies first here. So Carolina Teague, do you have any draft picks that you think that we should look at that would be a good fit for the San Antonio Spurs? Uh, All I'm going to say is that we need a big for sure. Um, But, you know, the best thing that I could do is I could realize um, I really like that they picked the prospect as Precious Achua. Um, and I feel like that's, uh, they said that he doesn't have that star power, but I feel like that could be a potential good pick for the Spurs. Not because I feel like the Spurs don't necessarily want stars, people that, you know, are going to be instant stars. I feel like the Spurs are already getting a star. Like with what Rudy said, Keldon Johnson is the next franchise star that's coming out of San Antonio. So I don't necessarily think that the Spurs are necessarily speaking of getting a star. I think what they need is they need more power um, at the one. And I feel like um, that's 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 what I think that they need. And also uh, the other prospect that I see also that's coming out of everybody's mouth is Jalen Smith from Maryland. He's the modern big man. He's strong. He's stout. He's 6'10". He has a long reach. He can block. He can uh, alter shots. 
Um, he also can shoot from the perimeter as well. That's what they say. He can shoot from the perimeter. I've seen his highlights. He's really good. If I'm going to rock with somebody, I think I'm going to go with Jalen Smith simply because like uh, the air doing big blocks and big shots, but they, they also need somebody who could score from behind the perimeter. And if that's their guy and they can develop him properly and put them in the Spurs, uh, put them in up, then I could see him being somebody that they could potentially pick. So if I had to pick somebody, I'm going to go with Jalen Smith. That's my pick. All right. Jalen pa- Smith is your pick. Okay. I can respect that. Uh, Rudy, as far as draft picks go for the San Antonio Spurs, I know that you have some personal favorites of yours. Uh, do you care to share those with us now? Uh, for a small convenient charge, maybe. But <laughs> no, we'll, uh, I'll give you a couple of guys here. I do like I do like Jalen Smith, like Carolina uh, was saying. I mean, he's a he's a prodigal big guy. You know, 15.5 points per game, 10.5 rebounds, 2.4 blocks last year. But drafting him at number 11, I can't see that happening. You definitely want to trade down, especially for the big guys that I'm looking at. Uh, you got a guy like, I love Jalen Smith. I love Isaiah Stewart. I'm a big Vernon Carey Jr. fan out of Duke, but... Again, yes. these are guys that you can definitely get later on in the first round. So if they want to trade down for a big guy, get some assets, maybe get a young a veteran in there, maybe an additional second-round pick or something, trade down out of that uh, 11 spot. But if they are solid on the 11 spot, the one kid that I've got, and it's not Patrick Williams out of a Florida <laughs> State. I actually like Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. Uh, 16 yes, points Rudy. a game, four rebounds, 2.4 <laughs> assists. He shoots 58% from the field. What you get is a 3 and D guy. This guy is not going to have a first quick step, you know, on the scoring uh, scoring for him, but he is a scorer. He's a shooter. He's a He can defend pretty much on ball, off ball. He's the kind of guy that the Spurs need right now. He's the guy that's going to do all the little things for them on the defensive side of the, the ball, something that they're not going to get out of some of the players they have. Kelvin Johnson is being pegged as that 3 and D type of guy, that next Kawhi Leonard guy, which I really feel he is going to be that type of player. But Sadiq Bey is just going to help guys like Kelvin Johnson improve. He's going to help guys like Lonnie Walker, DeJounte, Derek. For a number 11 in that pick, and I can appreciate that. Very confident. Uh, <laughs> I, I also like Sadiq Bey, huge fan of his. I got a chance to watch a few Villanova games this year, so love what he does. I think for me, my top pick is Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's not quite a big man like Carolina likes. Uh-huh. I know she's she's a big fan of Jalen Smith, and I watched a few Maryland games as well. I lived there for a while, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of a closet Maryland fan a little bit. But uh, <laughs> I watched I, I did watch a few Maryland games, and yes, he has a lot of the skills you're looking for that you want, that you talked about. Um, for me, he just has a few too many holes in this game. And like Rudy said, it's fantastic, great value there in the in, in the 20s and beyond. Uh, if, if you can get a Vernon Carey, if he somehow falls to the second round or if you get him late in the first, also a great value pick as well. I'm a big fan of Vernon Carey's too. Rudy, I watched him a few times this year, and yeah. he is just fun to watch. And he's not talked about as much because – there are two or three other guys on that Duke team who got a lot of attention throughout the year. But for me, the 11th pick, I think, is Patrick Williams. He is the youngest collegiate player in this draft. Uh, he's only 18 right now. I think he would be 19 by the time the season started. Um, 
he he has the he is long. He is only a freshman, and he played at an, he played at FSU, where Coach Leonard Hamilton they don't they don't put a lot of miles on their guys. He legitimately runs his team ten to eleven guys deep. I mean, if you if you look at their roster, they have ten or eleven guys who play double digit minutes, who average double digit minutes throughout the year. So, because he was a first, showed just enough to get you excited about what he can do. He can shoot the three. He's six eight. He's two twenty five. So he's a good size. He's his body is NBA ready. He can he can move and defend probably two or three positions. He's he's gonna have to get a little quicker. That's that's an issue right now. I, I just he's he can be a three and D immediately. And to me, this this year is not necessarily a pick you use. You're you're not necessarily trying to hit a home run and have a guy who's starting for you right away just because yeah. there are so many dudes on this roster that he would have to leapfrog to get playing time. And I think he would be better served playing in Austin for the year. And then the Spurs kind of see what happens in free agency in 2021 where LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan come off your books and they have the money to pursue some legitimate free agents. Yeah, I can. Yeah, this is, I mean, just a real quick jump in here. The thing that I can see, too, is if you want to get like a Jalen Smith or an Isaiah Stewart, our team pick, they have the 26th pick and the 30th pick in the first round they got three picks yep i'm sure ainge who has already said he wants to open the uh open the bank and pay out a little bit more go over the luxury tax you can e- easily give them the 11th pick maybe grab that 14 and the 26 in return for them uh that'll give them a player who they might be looking for at around the 11th uh pick right there but also throw in a guy like maybe you know not to say it, but a Marcus aldridge who has that expiring mm-hmm. contract who makes sense to go to Boston for this one year yeah. with Ainge. So mm-hmm. if you get the 14th and the 26th, you're easily looking at getting a Patrick Williams still. He could still be there. Also a Sadiq mm-hmm. Bay, like we talked about. But in that 26, you come around, you get your Jalen Smith, your Isaiah Stewart, or your Vernon Carey right there. You get your big, you get the 3D guy that you want. So hoping maybe RC does make a phone call or two to Boston to see maybe if Angel budge on that. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see what the Spurs do come draft day since they notoriously do, do anything sexy uh, and they don't really start. And I agree, Boston is absolutely the way to go. I mean, they. Yeah, and without a doubt, you know, but one of the things I was going to bring up is. This is the interesting aspect of the NBA draft this uh in what 48 days i believe is we're going to have the nba draft the spurs can do one of two things you can either draft to fit a need or you just draft and get the best available player you know yes we do have some needs on this team but this is a weak draft class you know so my my mentality or my assumption my way of thinking is would you just go ahead and draft the best possible player that's available at that position instead of trying to fill a need. Because if you try to fill a need with the plethora of talent that's available to you, it might not really pan out for you, you know, but again, if the Spurs have that 11th pick and the best available player is going to be a guard, (laughs) we're already, we're already guard heavy. Why would we go ahead and, and waste that pick on getting another SG, another shooting guard or another guard period. I mean, we could, we could use another maybe forward, power forward, um, 
we could use a center, you know, somebody who could rim protect, you know, uh, a three and D player for sure. But again, it's going to be one of these drafts where if you're not really going to go ahead and trade down and try to get a higher pick, you're kind of stuck with what you have at that 11th spot. And if somebody, let's say Portland, for example, has that 16th spot, has 16th pick, and they feel like, hey, man, we absolutely have to have the Spurs pick. If they're willing to go ahead and take LMA off our hands and entice the deal with something that we could use to maybe build it, build upon for the future, that's where things get interesting. Will it happen? More than likely, it probably will not. But if somebody makes an offer, I can guarantee you the Spurs will probably listen. Will they uh, actually make a deal? I, I don't think so. I think they're going to stand pat at 11. But I got to say, you know, one of the names that Carolina brought up, Precious Achua, I, I like the kid, you know. But to me, Precious is a later second round pick, not somebody that you want to spend that 11th pick on. I do like the guy that you were you were talking about, Ben, uh, and that he keeps his name keeps coming up over and over and over again is Patrick Williams. You know, I think that he's a really good uh, at his position because he's out of what Florida State. He's six foot eight, 225 pounds. Um, he has good athleticism. He's versatile. Uh, he's a you know a decent individual defender. Uh, he can do a little bit about a little bit of everything. So I think he kind of fits the mold as far as what the Spurs need. Um, I like Elijah as well, but again, you know, I, there's a lot of other names that come up. Aaron Nesmith as well, um, a wing, six foot five, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Um, you know, do you have some others that have come up as well over the course of this week alone? I mean, Jeff Garcia, our good friend had also brought this guy up that I didn't even know about just out of the blue. Omir Yurt 7. He's a 7-footer, and he transferred from North Carolina and played with Georgetown. Uh, he was averaging 15.5 points a game, 9.8 rebounds, and 1.5 blocks uh, in this past season. Uh, but, again, you know, what, what are we really going to get out of this draft? You know, and, and it brings up a point. At what point in time do the Spurs just finally go in all in and to say, are we going to go ahead and be on the outside looking in or do we blow this thing up and take a gamble and just go on full on youth movement? What do you think, Rudy? You think they should take that chance? If if the Spurs are smart, this is what I'm saying. I've always said if they're smart with the 11 pick, they can do more damage by trading that pick and getting some assets. Uh, this being a really weak draft class, I mean, you're not going to have maybe but one, two, maybe three guys that are actually going to have like all-star potential in this draft. Uh, the rest of the guys, I mean, I've, I've been on Twitter a few times. It's it's a lot of role players you're going to get in this draft. I mean, you're talking anything outside of the top three or four picks uh, are going to be just kind of like they're going to be all-stars. But anything outside of that is like a role player, in my opinion. So. Yeah. I mean, if you're staking at number 11, I see what you're saying about getting the best player available. I do understand that part. Um, the best player available is oh, need that they need to fill is 10. These big men that are actually worth anything, it's not worth getting them uh, that early. It's actually go, like I said, trade down, get some assets, trade down the draft. You're going to get a quality big guy later on in the first round. If you add a second round pick in the end, you know, more bonus to you. I have later on, and I'll give you a guy that I like in the second round who's a stash and draft, uh, draft and stash kind of guy. But no, man, I mean, I've said it before, they've got to, if they're going to stick at 11, 
they got to hit it and they got to hit it out of the ballpark at 11 because this draft is so weak and it's so mm-hmm. tricky that if you're not going to hit it out of the ballpark, trade down, get out of the first round if you can. If you're going to stay in the first round, get back, you know, 25 to, to the 30 range. You'll get the player that you want right there and it'll be a lot cheaper. I, I agree with you, Rudy. Um, my thing about the this draft, like you guys said, it's a weaker draft. It's a weaker draft mm-hmm. class. I like the fact that you picked Sadiq Bay. That's actually somebody that I totally forgot about. Um, that mm-hmm. is a good pick as well. But uh, one of the things is that the Chicago Bulls have the number four draft pick, and they've been talking about getting Sadiq Bay as yeah, well. He's, so if he's they, up there. Yeah, he's up there. So if they end up getting that number four pick, the Chicago Bulls end up going with Sadiq Bay, then they probably will go out with somebody for somebody else at the 11 spot. But if he falls down to number 11, I do think he would be a good pickup at that, at that part. But the thing is, I do see your point about, you know, trading for more assets. Um, if there's anybody I could trust with making good picks, it's the Spurs and look where they drafted Keldon Johnson at, and they were still able to get something really good out of him. So I, I yeah, see Sadiq yeah. Bay. If Sadiq Bay falls to number eleven, get Sadiq Bay as well. I know our good friend Wesley Perkins would love to have. I know our good friend Wesley Perkins would love to have Obi Toppin if he <laughs> dropped all the way down to number eleven. You know, Wesley'd be there screaming, "Obi." Ob, yeah. No. Don't even get me started, Joe. Don't do that. Don't you give us hope, Joe? Don't you bring don't that, that evil on me? Bad idea, Joe. Don't give us hope like that. It's a terrible idea. You're just you're, don't. But I, there is no way to me, from what I've seen, from what I've heard, that the Chicago Bulls would pick Sadiq Bay at four. They have too many better options that fit their needs at number four, and Onyeka Okongwu would fit their needs would fit a need for them at number four. And that's yeah. where I've seen him go a lot. I got to get used they to saying that guy's name. Man, that's a handful. At number four as well. It is a handful, but he's great. If you got a chance yeah. to watch the USC games this year, he was phenomenal. I love watching him play. He runs like a gazelle. But Sadiq Bay at 11, still a good pick. Um, and I wrote about this earlier this summer. You know, Sadiq Bay versus Patrick Williams. It kind of comes down to, you know, what are your expectations out of your 11th pick? If you want a guy who can probably contribute right away and get a few minutes here and there, Sadiq Bey's your guy. If you want a guy who has a much higher ceiling and greater potential to become a better player, Patrick Williams is your guy. What about Devin Vassell? I think Vassil? that's really what it comes I down see. to. This oh, Devin Vassell? Devin Vassell, yeah. He's good too. But he's, he's, he's good, he doesn't have the he's strength. He's 11. I think somebody yeah. reaches for him. No, he's not strong right now. He's six seven and one ninety five. He has to put on weight for sure. But yeah. he's another guy who can be a versatile defender at six seven. He's also proven that he can shoot it from three. But yeah, I, I'm with Rudy. I think someone's gonna reach for him. And mm-hmm. I hope to God it's the Knicks because I would love to see them look stupid yet again. Yeah, no, for sure. I the one thing about Sadiq Bay that I really, really like and that separates him from Patrick, uh, Patrick Williams from Sadiq Bay for me is the age. You get more maturity. Sadiq Bay being 21 years old, mm-hmm. you know, he's a lot more mature than what mm-hmm. Patrick Williams is. I see him coming along a lot quicker in the Spurs organization. And I'm going to give you a second round pick. Everybody's going to be like, who? But you know what? Y'all said the exact same thing about Monte Ginobili. If the Spurs go out and get a Roku, a Rokus Jaco Bataille, Jacobitis. Oh. Lord. I don't <laughs> say that three times fast. Give me, give me a second. In the second round, 
Yeah. Um, we got to give you the Jack strength Abides. to say that name, Jack man. Rokas Jacobitis out of Lithuania. He's a point guard, a left-handed point guard. This kid is 19 years old. I mean, I know you say you don't need more point guards, but with this kind of NBA and how the NBA goes, you can't say for sure DeJounte Murray is going to stick around in San Antonio. We don't know how uh, he's going to pan know out either. going to stick around when and where. So. Exactly. But this is a kid you draft and stash. You leave him over there. He's improved every single year. This guy's IQ is amazing. It's really, really high. He's a shooter. He's a scorer. This guy can really turn a bunch of heads. And being that he's only 19, playing with the big boys already, it's one guy to keep an eye on in the second round. You know, a second round too, Rudy, I got to be honest with you, man. I like this kid uh, that I keep on hearing about, Isaiah Stewart. Six foot nine, 245 pounds. He yeah. has a nasty build. He has a lot of bulk. Um, he's he's a physical yeah. specimen, <laughs> you know, so he can he's get down boy. and get dirty. Yeah, yeah. He, He's not going to be there uh, past the first couple of picks in the second round. One of these teams yeah. is going to grab yeah. him. I mean, he's, sure. he's uh, 31st, 32nd. If he drops to 33, 34, I'd be really surprised. I would. I could see if Boston keeps their picks, those late picks, I could see them taking him with one of those picks. Oh, yeah, 30 easily. 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I hope the Spurs don't do is they draft another shooting guard. I mean, I know it's a small ball league, and that's that's what really is going to put points up on the board, you know, uh, in this iteration of NBA basketball. Elijah Hughes, you know, he's going to be out there. He's probably going to go and be a second-round pick. Six foot six, 215 yep. pounds out of Syracuse. He's a junior uh, going uh, into the NBA draft this season. Um he could be interesting for the Spurs if they if they went ahead and go that route, you know, and, and wind up getting another shooting guard, which wouldn't surprise me if they did. Well, one guy that's falling faster than a 500-pound man out of a 12-star window <laughs> is R.J. Hampton. Let's talk about him for a second. He wants scoring. R.J. Hampton, I mean, I've seen some places where they're picking him in the second round now. Wow. I mean, he's wow. just dropping, dropping, dropping. What's the so reason now? What's know, the reason behind Hampton's that? Is available in the second round. His injury, maybe. Yeah, probably his injury is what I'm thinking. And that's a guy who was guaranteed lottery pick coming out of high school. Yep. Wow. So mm-hmm. played I mean, that, exactly. It's you never know, man. It's it's funny. He's kind of it's almost like the opposite of the Dante Exum effect. Everyone was like, "Oh, yeah. Dante Exum, a man of mystery, goes top five, doesn't pan out." Yeah. R.J. Hampton started that way. Oh, he's going to be a lottery pick. Oh, he's going to be a great steal for someone. And now he's just free falling. I bet he doesn't even listen to Tom Petty. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, ben Ben's on fire right now, man. He's he's bringing the fire. Yeah, he's on one. He's on one. <laughs> Ben's in Get the some zone. Doctor Pepper in me. Good things happen. <laughs> I like that, man. But let's go ahead and move on here after we've talked about NBA prospects and you know what we think the Spurs could do and what probably would fit a need for the team or you know what would be interesting for the Spurs to actually pick in either the first or the second round we're going to start talking about the NBA finals we saw what happened yesterday didn't surprise me one bit uh, that happens you know when you lose two of your your better players you know and you got Jimmy Butler injured as well you know Grogic went down he he has a knee injury you know and then you have Bama you know and it goes down as well so it's like okay, you lose two of your, two of your top three guys. It, it won't be long now, and yeah. then the Lakers are gonna give Miami nothing but trouble inside the paint. They're just too big, too strong. They have too much talent on that team. 
and unfortunately for Miami, it is what it is. You know, you got you got you got kind of embarrassed, but it was bound to happen when you don't have your team at full strength and you're going up against the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, hats off to Anthony Davis. He had a tremendous game. You know, I know Rudy, you feel a certain way about LeBron, but you got to respect the guy who has been able to get to the final so many times. Am I wrong or right? <laughs> no, I I respect LeBron. I I clearly said that on our show that I respect LeBron. I respect his game and everything. But, you know, let let's not let's not, you know, beat around the bush here. Most of his finals appearances were in the East and they were on a loaded roster when it came to the Miami Heat. Okay. Oh, okay. So Let's not let's not pretend like LeBron was taking Booby Gibson and Zadrina Zagowskis <laughs> to the finals year in year out. What's wrong so, with just, just the one year, just the one year. <laughs> yeah, just the one year. So let's not pretend that. Let's not pretend LeBron's been doing it all by himself. He had Kyrie. He's had you know Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. Now he has Anthony Davis. The year before Anthony Davis, he had an injury. He, I'm going to say, oh, he's injured. We're not going to make the playoffs. Let's blame the injury. Okay, whatever, whatever. You didn't make the playoffs. Big deal. I just think, you know, with the whole finals thing, you know, I had the Heat winning in six before the injuries. Um, I liked Bam out of bio, you know, the way he was playing. If anyone could actually get into LeBron, uh, his game in his head would be Eric Spolstra. Considering he's coached him for four years before, mm -hmm. you would think he'd have an idea how to guard him. But, of course, he doesn't have the players now with Drogic being out, you know, Bam being out. I'm changing my pick because I have the the right to reserve to change my oh, pick. Whenever no, I you can. no, Lake, you don't. No, you don't. I got to go Lakers in five right now. So if, you don't, if there's no injuries, I'm sticking to I'm sticking to the Heat and six. If there's no injuries, but being that there's injuries, Lakers, I'm gonna have to go Lakers in five. I think it's a gentleman's sweep. Uh, but again, you know, it's LeBron. I don't have hatred for him. I just it's being force fed down our throat. Like today, there was something on Twitter getting retweeted, retweeted, retweeted the whole thing. Well, LeBron's been in the finals of you know, only player been in the finals for three decades. I'm like, hold up. There's an old yeah. man, you know, that lives off of 1604 <laughs> and Blanco named Tim Duncan that has been to the finals in three different decades. Also, Udonis Haslam. Yeah, has them the again. There's other people that have, and that's what it is. They force feed, they force feed LeBron down our throat, thinking he's this magical person that's doing this for the first time, and he's not. He really isn't. The other day it was like he's let you know he's in the finals with three different teams: Danny Green, Robert Ory. I mean, there's other guys that have been there. So I mean, that's what it is, Joe. It's not that I hate LeBron. I just hate that you know I'm being force fed LeBron all the time. Yeah, you're being force-fed, LeBron, you know, but I got to say, Lakers fans on Twitter going at Danny Green, I I kind of liked it, man. I, I don't I'm not trying to be salty to Danny Green by any means, but I mean, come on now. You're you're supposed Ooh. to be a sniper. What did Danny Green do? Joe with the shot in front. You're supposed Dang. to be a sniper. He's getting paid these <laughs> all this money and the, and the dude can't hit a 3 to save his life. No, you got to go, man. I can see why Lakers fans are mad. And now you know why Spurs fans were upset with Danny Green. <laughs> so I, I can't say that I, I'm, you know I'm who so I sorry for him. Jerry Neal. Oh, Lord. I like Danny Green. There's nothing wrong with Danny Green. I like him. Well, if he can hit his shots, there's nothing wrong with him. What do you like about him? I got to know. What do you like about him? Like Here we go. I like that, you know, I like, first of all, I like that he's lucky. You know, he went from the Spurs and he went to the Raptors. Now he's about to get a ring with the Lakers. I like mm -hmm. lucky people. 
I like him. And then the second thing I like about him is that he's a good defender. I don't give a darn what people say. When he left the Spurs, the defense kind of went down. Or not kind of, it went down, period. So I think he's a good defender. And he's always going to be a contributing factor as to why these teams are winning championships. I don't know why people dog him so much because he's not a great three-point shooter. But the people on the Spurs who are supposed to be the shooters right now, right? Like Brent Forbes can't shoot a three. So who, I, if I had to have Danny Green or if I had to have Brent Forbes on my team, I'd have Danny Green all day long. Not that they're the same, you know, anything. And but There's going to be people like, that would fight you on that. Me. There's going to be people that would fight you on that because – I have Spurs fans. Well, they which can, they, is, which they is wild. Can, okay. No, no, because no, because first of all, and you are the last person to tell me that because you didn't even like Brent Forrest back I, in the day. I still don't. I still even don't. People, yeah. Even if yeah. okay, so even if people want to fight me all day long, they can. But I don't think Danny Green is a. I don't, I don't think a lot of people hate him. I feel like you either love him or you hate him, and I love Danny Green. Yeah, Brent Forbes. I remember I somebody specifically said, "You can't. You can't." Uh, how did they phrase it? You can't get somebody to uh, shoot like Bryn Forbes does. Bryn Forbes shooting is instrumental for the Spurs' success. I'm like, bro, what are I you smoking? I thought it was instrumental for the. I I thought it was instrumental for the Spurs' success too, and he had his breakout moments. But that's neither here nor there because they're not in the finals right now. LeBron is, is in the finals, and they're. I think they're gonna do a sleep, a whole sleep. They're gonna be four and zero. I think it's gonna be four and zero. Damn, you got so excited! I thought you fell over. <laughs> yeah, four and zero. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be four and zero because uh, Bam is questionable for game two. Doubtful, I think. Yeah, they downgraded yeah. it. Too, yeah. very doubtful. Oh, okay. So, Goran Dragic is doubtful, although he really should be out. He right. tore the plantar yeah. fascia in his left oh, foot. Okay. How are you gonna play through that? Come I, on. Think, I just say because of that, that's just gonna be the that's gonna be the nail in the coffin. Yeah, it is. I, I mean it's not and it's not like they lost by a small margin. They lost by a big margin last night. So I, I think it's just gonna be a sweep, and that's just my Got prediction. Murdered. Yeah, if you you bet a yeah, hundred dollars for the Lakers to win, you'd probably win a hundred and one dollars on that bet. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, not exactly. even worth it. I just feel like and. And LeBron's going to have his fourth ring. So now the question is, is he going to have as many rings as Michael Jordan? That's is he the GOAT now? Oh, no. Is he the GOAT? Oh, no. Is he the GOAT? Can we call him the GOAT now? Is he far the GOAT? They're going to ask him if they're going to see if he's a GOAT. Far from it. Far yeah. from don't, it. Don't start <laughs> that now, Ben. You're going to start. Well, he's not, he's not far. He's not far from it. I mean, he's pretty close to it. He's top five Pantheon. There's no argument there. Yeah. He's a top five player of all time, but being the GOAT, I mean, you know what? I have trouble even calling MJ the GOAT sometimes, knowing that we had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sir, knowing that we had Bill Russell. Thank you very much. Russell, but Russell's a different time. I got to go back on that. Russell's a different Age straight, I get all that. Russell is part of the conversation. But when you compare Russell to Jabbar, I mean, Jabbar... It's got to well, be a little bit better. That's why I, LeBron isn't on my top five at all. I feel like my I top respect five... that. I, and I love that. I respect and love that. Well, look at I, you look top, the facts. Not on my top five at I am all. sweating from how hot that oh, take God. is. <laughs> but when you look yes. at LeBron and you base it off of how many finals appearances he has and how many rings he's won, 
He's gone to the NBA Finals, what, a plethora of 10 times already? 10 times. And he's yeah. come back an NBA champ how many times? Count them. One, two, three. You know, I mean. Yeah, but it's just record like three, well, we, well, six. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's a team sport. So when people pull that stat and that, you know, how many times he's been in the finals, how many times did he win? To me, that's irrelevant in a sense because it's like it's a team sport at the end of the day. Now, it does bring into question when you bring that up. Um how many teams did he jump to get there? I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. People don't count that into factor because if that was the case and all these players back in the day jumped teams, I'm sure they would have made 20 finals appearances. Yeah, but MJ went you to the MJ went to the finals and he didn't lose. That's why he's classified. He went right. to the finals. But he also took a two year hiatus because he felt like. Enough. Right, that makes you the goat. Like you can leave and then you can come back and win three more. So are we That's... talking? Are we talking that MJ is on Russell's level if he doesn't take that two-year hiatus? Oh yeah, eight in a row. yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, if, he, if he goes eight in a row, he is unquestioned. Is unquestioned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. unquestionable. Yeah. That, that, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about Bill Russell. There were a lot less teams that he had to play, and I think the playoffs yeah. were even shorter. So. I totally get that. I just love throwing Bill Russell out there because he's got rings on rings oh, on no, rings. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and, and everybody think, keeps forgetting he won two as a player coach, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it is fair to, to you know to bring up the shorter playoff season too when you're talking about him either because he played during a time where it was just everything was crazier back then. Just life in general. He was a pioneer. So the fact that he was he's a able to do that is insane. Yeah. Pioneer, perfect word. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. He's a pioneer. And, but you know, let's let's not be uh, let's not be shy about saying it because I will say it. I don't care if the Lakers win this year. I mean, they're going to win the title, but their asses need to have an asterisk next to it, though. Oh no! Why? Oh man! Don't do that. If you want to, if don't you want to call every other championship, including the Spurs, it's a shortened season. It's an asterisk. Is that a well, then every team that needs to be involved in that shortened season, bubble season, I don't give an F season. It has to have an asterisk in there. If you're going to give asterisks to everything, give your asterisks to yourself. Well, no, no I'm not going to give it an asterisk because I don't think the Spurs uh, championship in uh, 99 was an asterisk. I don't think it's fair to call that an asterisk season. So I don't think it's yeah, fair to call this To me, it doesn't matter season. if it's an NBA really shortened even season. Though, even, though, even though. <laughs> also, the fact uh, – if you're going to give it an asterisk, I would say it's an asterisk because it was harder to win a championship this year. You had you had a no discontinuation of play over the course of several months. Mm-hmm. You're in a bubble with no fans. There is no home court advantage whatsoever, mm-hmm. which, you know, I don't care what anyone says. Home court advantage is huge in the playoffs, especially yeah, a sure. finals series. So to do that with basically nobody in the stands, you have family and friends, that's it. You, you know, to me, that is so much harder than a regular season where you're playing for, you know, five, six months straight and you're going right into your playoffs. You don't have a three month layoff. You have to go to a bubble. You have to get your quarantine. You have to live through the COVID life and you have to, you know, you, you have to do all these things and you still have to go out and you have to play basketball. Yeah. Yeah, we got to keep things true. moving. And you here. forgot to mention that there were chicken wings and side chicks. Oh, oh, oh yeah, we got to yeah, keep it moving. <laughs> keep it moving, you guys. We got to keep moving. We're coming into our oh, last man. segment. And this is, oh, a, man. I'm going to present a question to you guys. And this is something that kind of took off on social media. Uh, Chris Duell, our good friend Chris Duell, had me call in to, uh, you know, I guess present this question uh, to the viewers on the ticket 760 earlier in the week. 
and that is with the Miami Heat going to the NBA Finals in the post-LeBron James era. And what they've been able to do are the Spurs that far removed from actually making uh, a run in the playoffs, probably, let's say, within the next two to three seasons, if they have the right pieces. There's still some areas that the Spurs need uh, to fill, you know, one of them being a rim protector and the other one being a 3 and D guy. Uh, I know a lot of fans say the, the West is so stacked with talent that that's just crazy talk, you know, that the Spurs aren't on that level of talent yet. But I look to go. I look to see what this team has been doing, what they look like in the bubble. With the advent of one of our favorite players, Keldon Johnson, this guy, I, I, I predict he's going to have a breakout season next year. He's a, he's a dog. This guy is is legit, you know, in every sense of the word. Then you have a lot of this cap space that will be available in the next two seasons. You can go after some talent. You can go after, you know, some pieces and try to fit that in with what you have. And with the advent of what we have as far as our young core really developing and starting to come into their own. And then you have players like uh, Luka Samanich, who at that point in time should already be either going to be a player or going to be a bust <laughs> that we're going to have here uh, helping the team or not. Uh, it's that perfect storm kind of thing where you, if you have the pieces and you have these players develop into the players that we think they can be, can the Spurs return to greatness once again? Can they make some runs deep into the playoffs, probably within the next two to three seasons? We're going to go ahead and start with you, Rudy. What do you think? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but in the next two or three seasons, no. Uh, I don't see it happening. The reason being is, look, you, you're going to have free agent money coming up, but the big question is always what free agent is going to want to come here. I mean, a lot of people don't want to come to San Antonio for whatever reason. Maybe the water is really, truly green on the river walk and they don't like it or the food is just that bad. I don't know. But we are not a destination free agent spot. So that's a big factor as well. The other factor is, is yes, the Spurs do draft. They drafted Lonnie Walker, Kelvin Johnson, Derek White, you know, DeJounte Murray. They've drafted young guys. But the problem that we have here in San Antonio is they don't play them. They make them go to Austin. We're seeing guys like Tyler Hero in Miami who gets playing time on a Miami Heat team. We're seeing other guys, you know, getting playing time in the NBA, not spending their seasons in the G League. I get you developing. I love the player development part. But would this season have been different with Keldon on the active roster the entire season? Seeing how he played in the bubble, I would have rather have gotten him earlier in the NBA season, get acclimated to the way they're playing this game. And go from there. But I think when it comes to all down all down to it, two to three years is not enough. I don't see the Spurs doing very, very much playoff-wise two to three years. They'll make the playoffs, but it's going to be like the 90s, you know, early 90s and stuff. Well, we're going to make the playoffs. We're just going to kind of maybe get to the first round. We're going to be super excited to get to the second round if we do, and it's going to probably stop right there. Yes, the West is kind of loaded. You know, you got Utah, Denver, the Clippers, uh, Lakers. You know, you've got loaded teams out there. Loaded does not scare me. I'm not scared of Denver. I'm not scared of the Lakers. I'm not scared of any of these guys. I think we have the youth that can actually run and gun with a lot of these teams. What I'm more afraid of is we're not going to have that one star that's going to want to – that's going to be at the uh, – not let's say the LeBron level, but at the Paul George level, at the Donovan Mitchell level, something like that to help us get over the hump of actually competing in every playoff series. So honestly, man, I'm looking at 
not two to three years. Give me give me that five to six year window where we're going to see him actually develop. But it all comes down to free agency. You've got to land big. And the only way for the Spurs to get a star back in San Antonio is to trade for him. Yeah, but there's another question, too, is we don't know out of this young core who could flourish into a legit star because we still have a lot of unproven's. We don't know what DeJounte is going to wind up doing. We don't know what Lonnie Walker is going to wind up doing. We don't even know his identity at this point. What is a Lonnie Walker type of player? You know, we don't know what that ceiling is for him. It's high, yes, but he has to form his own identity still, you know? So there's a lot of variables that go into that, you know? So I I completely understand what you're saying. I'm just thinking that do we need to go after superstars? We could have one. About Lonnie Walker, can I ask a legitimate question here? Sure, because, go ahead. You know, I respect you, man, Carolina, a whole lot here. And this is a question that I've been looking at to ask somebody here. Has Lonnie hit the? Has Lonnie already hit his ceiling? I don't think no. he's had his. He hit his ceiling. I don't. The thing, the enigma that is Lonnie Walker is the kid has a ton of athletic ability, a ton. There's no doubting that. The one thing that. We, well, we haven't we wanna, seen that next step. Yeah, we haven't seen the next step. And I think it's because Lonnie doesn't know what Lonnie is yet. He doesn't know what position mm-hmm. or what he, he's going to develop into. He has so much upside as far as athletic ability and what he can do out there. I, I think he just gets a little ahead of himself. I think he needs to let the game come to him and not try to rush everything so much. But it's easier said than done. Um, maybe Lonnie Walker is one of these players who – just, you know, at the end of the day, does he flourish in the Spurs system or does he go somewhere else and become a superstar on that other team because he gets out of this Spurs system? Maybe the system's holding him back. It's kind of a bit archaic at times when we have this plethora of young talent and they don't get that run that they want. I'm perfectly fine if us if, if the Spurs go youth movement and we have a losing season, but we know what's happening out there on the court is that we're getting these young guys ready for that next leap. I don't think right now it's conducive to Lonnie Walker really coming into his own the way that this current system is set up, you know? I, here's here's my thing. I, I'm not sure it's fair to ask if he has reached his ceiling yet. He's too young for that, and I think he also hasn't been given enough minutes. I think it's more than fair to ask, has he plateaued right now? And I would say, yes, he has plateaued right now. And I think to really find out what his ceiling is, we have to see if he's going to be able to break through the plateau. We have to see if he's going to get the proper minutes to do so. Because I think when he got more minutes in the bubble, he started playing with a lot more confidence. Yep. He played much better. And so I, I think to me, and it, it goes to a little bit of what Joe was saying, you know, they, the, the way the Spurs traf- staff treats some of the players is not really fair, but at the same time, they're not going to sit DeMar DeRozan for a ton of minutes because how much are they paying him? They're not going to say, oh, we're going to give you all this money and we're going to only play you 30 minutes a game. They're not going to do that. And the problem is there's a backlog of guys at all the guard positions. And I think that's the biggest issue for Lonnie Walker right now. He has to find a way to break through to be you know, the second or third guy among the guards or among the shooting guards anyway. Because DeJounte Murray has his spot shored up. I think Derek White is very confident in his spot. And really, Keldon Johnson can play a little bit of two if you need him to. He mostly will play three, I think. But you have DeMar DeRozan. You had Marco Bellinelli. You had Bryn Forbes. You had Patty Mills playing point guard. There are just too many guys. 
So I think this offseason, if the Spurs offload some people or if they let people sign elsewhere, I think we'll have a better idea of what Lonnie Walker's minutes will look like. And then we will have a better opportunity to see what he does with those minutes. Yeah. Same question to you, Carolina. Uh, my answer is, yeah. So my answer, which is a good question that Crystal came up with, by the way. Um, the answer, do I think the Spurs can have a rebuild in two to three years? My answer is no. And that's just based off of what we know about the NBA. The average rebuild for an NBA a team takes about three to five years if they're good. Spurs are good. So it is, a, uh, they have a good organization. They know how to properly draft players. They're able to pull uh, players even without high draft picks throughout the past 23, 22 seasons. And I feel like with when it comes to, there's five stages in a rebuild. So the first stage is bottoming out and acceptance. I feel like right now, this season, Maybe even last season, if you will, as well. I don't know if last season would be considered bottoming out, but I feel like this season is considered bottoming out. Each stage takes like at least a year. So right now they're bottomed out. The next stage is to take the lumps out of the youth, which is what you're going to probably see happening next year. They're going to be taking the lumps out of the youth. They're going to see how um, Kellen Johnson can fit into the system. They're going to see how Lonnie Walker can fit into the system. They're going to be playing with these youths a lot more. And also a reason why I say no for the two to three years is because the West is more tough than the East, which is something that we all know. Um, also, we don't know. We, we have an idea of who they're going to draft, but we don't know who they're going to draft. We have an idea of who they might trade, but we don't know if they will trade or not. So that's all dependent and contingent upon who they decide to trade, who they decide to draft how they develop the youth, their rotations, because they struggled with rotations early on in the season. Mm. Are they going to continue that same struggle this year? I don't think so, but let's say that they do. So we don't know. I feel like right now this coming up season is going to be the experimentation season where they see how they can everybody can mesh together and everybody's going to be working on their cohesiveness and things like that. But I don't see them getting to the playoffs until about three to five years. If they're lucky, they can do it in three, maybe even two. If they're extremely lucky lucky, and it's a fluke season where there's all these other injuries in the West and, you know, they have a good opportunity to make it into the playoffs, then, yes, they could do it in a year. But it just all depends on what's going to happen this upcoming season. But if everybody in the West is healthy, everybody in the West is playing well, um, I see it not happening in two to three years just based on off of all the talent that's in the West right now. Okay. And what about you, Ben? Uh, uh, so for me, two, three years, I, uh, it's, it's possible. I, I, I don't know. I'd say it's likely it's, I, I think Miami gave the Spurs actually a really nice blueprint on how to do it because this was a team that was supposed to struggle, but then, they kind of move some guys around. They go out and get Jimmy Butler in a trade, and now they're super and they're super competitive. They're in the finals, and, and really, they'd be a lot more competitive in the finals if they didn't have bad luck with injuries. Which, really, if you think about it, that's what every finals comes down to: who can avoid the most injuries. But to me, this this upcoming season. Uh, to me, no matter what happens, you have to write it off, I think, because I, I just know that LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan are going to end up playing too many minutes that they shouldn't be playing, but because they get paid 
Super Bucks, they have to play those minutes. And so I think that's going to be a hindrance to, uh, to, to the younger guys. They're not going to get as many minutes as they should together, which is really what's important. And then you're going to go out and hopefully in free agency in 21, when you have a ton of cap space, you're going to hopefully be able to go out and sign maybe one max guy and like the the second or third tier guy to, to help your team in positions that you need. And I know, like Rudy said, for whatever reason, people don't come to San Antonio. And, you know, that's, that's a reality we have to live in. But at some point, teams aren't going to be able to pay everybody the max. You're not always going to make the money you want in the city you want. Somebody will have to settle for San Antonio. And to be honest, there are worse states to settle in considering there's no state income tax. You actually make more money if you live and play in Texas, which I like if you're an NBA superstar and you have people who are dealing with your money, I don't understand why they don't tell you, hey, man, if you go play in Texas or Florida or one of two, you know, a, a couple other states, there's no state income tax. You essentially make more money than what than what you would playing in New York, playing in California. So, you know, I, I, and to me, in an age where NBA superstars are supposed to be much smarter, it's 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 absolutely stunning that more people do not play in the state of Texas. So. I think that has to be considered. And yeah, I know that's not a sexy reason for, for wanting to live in Texas, but those Spurs have to land someone next year. And I think if they land someone who can help them win immediately, they're offloading, they're offloading old talent. That's on the wrong side of 30. They're going to have a lot of younger guys in. I think that three year window is a possibility but they're probably going to need one more year after that to really gel and really figure out what kind of team they are. Yeah. Well, we do have Derek White right now. He's 26 years of age. I think he is probably one of the better, if not the best, point guard that the Spurs have right now, uh, more so than DeJounte. I just like the court vision that Derek has, and I just think he makes better decisions and runs the offense a lot more efficiently when he's on the floor than DeJounte. Um, given that, in three years, he's going to be pushing 29 years old. Uh, there's not much more life uh, in him after that. You know, yes, you can play well into 33, 34 years of age, but uh, the window will start closing, you know. So the Spurs definitely are going to have to get some pieces, get some superstars, so we can make some type of push come in that next, you know, two to three seasons. Because the talent in the West is just going to get more and more stacked as these as these younger teams start coming into their own. And you already see that happening with one Denver Nugget team. Um, you know, you have the Pelicans, too, who are loaded with talent but really haven't done much. But that's uh, to say that they can make a leap yeah. next season, you know? That would, that would require the Pelicans to be managed properly and to have a, a yeah. coach that they actually trust. So we'll see about that. But you also have to consider the other teams that are getting older in the West. The Golden State Warriors are getting older. Like I know Curry and Thompson and Green are great together. I understand that. But at some point, their game is going to fall off. I don't know when. It may be many years down the line. But at some point, I, those, those guys' games are going to fall off. And the Warriors may have to get rid of them anyway because they are so far into the luxury tax. They, I want to say they're paying – almost 
like four hundred million dollars in their salary. Yeah. I, I mean, you you just can't you can't. That might be with the repeater tax. That might be what I'm thinking of. But mm-hmm. you have all these guys getting paid all this money. You can't hold on to them forever. Somebody's got to go. Yeah, I hear yeah, you, man. Well, there's something in free agency. Uh, there's something in free agency that a lot of people don't really see it right now. But having the Miami Heat in the finals really majorly royally screws the San Antonio Spurs because Miami after this season will only be on the books for 80 million after that only 43 million so you're talking about a young team that is already in the finals in the east that's more attractive for a major superstar to go to and guess what there's no state tax there either so you mean to tell me do I go to San Antonio where it's a slow rebuild or go to Miami Miami, where they are already in the finals, they've got the core that they want. I'm just going to join in and make them that much better. And so I get Miami, to Miami making the final. Yeah, my and it's Miami. I mean, the closest beach we have here is the dirty one at the Gulf Coast by Corpus Christi. So, <laughs> oh, no. I mean, but you're talking Miami beach galore, clubs, whatever. Yeah. That is destination free agency. That screws the Spurs because Miami is so good. Now, Miami was bad. People will say, eh, I don't want to kind of go there. I want to go maybe to a San Antonio or somewhere else where they've got a little more experience, where they've got better players. But you cannot say that about Miami now. They're in the and finals. That, and that is why the mayor has to do his part and make the city better so that way we can attract elite talent. They need an NFL team. They need a new stadium. Blow up the Alamo Dome. Build oh some God. pieces there. Clean well, the river I would wall, buy front row tickets for that. make it happen. i would have ruby sitting right next to me comes in how how dare you talk about the 2018 i would have rudy Rudy (laughs) sitting right next to me as they blow up that ugly ass alamo dome and we'd be drinking beers as that thing blows up that's why the mayor needs to do his part blow up the alamo dome clean up the river walk uh build an nfl stadium right there attract an nfl team bring more clubs to san antonio that way they don't want to go to miami no more they want to come to texas and they want to they want to go to they want to go to club carolina club (laughs) carolina the destination Miami. Oh yeah, fredericksburg oh yeah i really want to get out there that's a sexy town right there maybe you want to buy some peaches and drink some wine Oh my God! Go to Hamilton Pool. <laughs> we have reached into the depths of desperation. Yeah, That's I, what I'm saying. If, they, if Miami Heat has all that cap space coming out and all that good stuff, you know that's when it, uh, the city needs to step in. They need to do something quick. But, you know, you want to talk about Miami's cap space, but they're they're now going to have to pay Tyler Hero. They're now going to have to pay Bam Adebayo. They're going to have to extend those guys and give them the max whatever extension they can give them that's going to eat into their cap granted not as much as signing a super max guy but it's going to eat into their cap a little bit heroes not until 2023 <sighs> that's right because he's a rookie yeah he's a rookie and then bam out of bio he just got to pay him guaranteed next year yep. then he still has a player option because what so what do you when you can you offer the extension three years after three seasons yeah, i think it's five i think it's or no, you're right. I think it's three. After three. Okay. There's a three. I was going to say, it can't, it can't be five because you can't the, – the contracts don't run that long anymore. Yeah, because no. Heroes is a five-year deal, but he's got option, team option, team option, player option. Yeah. 
Bam has the player option, which I'm sure he might not take to get re-signed. But after that, you've got Jimmy on the books till 2022, 2023. Yep. So, I mean, your cap space is like major, major, major. Um, yeah, I mean, Miami's going to be destination free agency the next couple of years. I mean, they're just going to keep building on that. And you also yeah. have Coach Spolster, so you got to tip your hat to him and what he's been able to do with Miami. Mm-hmm. And they need everybody to look out for the damn Suns. That's what they need to do. Oh my God! <laughs> Bubble plays. Suns are going to get run into the ground. Their owner's no, terrible. Yeah, no, let's see what they no, look like next season. Okay, well let's see. Let's see. That's all let's I'm saying. Let's see what they put money on it. Next to the Spurs. Yeah, we'll see how the Miami. Uh, Miami. We'll see how the Phoenix Suns look. I don't know. Next can, wait, can Phoenix? Can Phoenix play their entire season in a bubble? Huh? Can Phoenix play their entire season in a bubble? Okay, so you're basically saying that they won because of the bubble situation. That was the best situation that could have ever happened to them. I don't think the owner was there to interfere. And I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair that they went undefeated in the bubble and still couldn't get a spot in the playoffs. If that was the case, then they should have just eliminated that whole spot. Well, you know, if they wanted to get into the playoffs, they should have played better during the regular season too. That's on them. (laughs) That the yeah, same thing can be said the for the Senate. The point of the to give people a free ride. But why invite them? Why because invite because them? there was a possibility they could get in. Because if certain, if, other, if other teams if other teams had lost more games, they would have gotten in. They had to rely on other teams to lose. Yeah, they needed help. Uh, if if you had if you had played that scenario out the regular season, it would have been the same thing. They would have had to rely on other teams to lose because they had lost so many games already up to that point. Well, win or lose, they're going to be ahead of the Spurs next season. No, you Mark heard it here words. first. You heard and it here not, first. Not, yeah, and he's not. And he's not. He's no. not. De- no, dang, Coach Thibodeau. He's not going to overplay them to the ground. That's they're going to be. They're going to be there. So Carolina's going to go right, next year and spend Carolina's lock of the century right here. Yeah. Phoenix greater than San Antonio That's next year. That's her take of the century. Here. Take of the century. Carolina Teagues predicts the Suns will be better than the Spurs. Oh, that's, her, that's her lock. She guarantees it. And I, but the thing is, is that the Suns are going to be great. So I think the Spurs have a potential to be great. So don't misconstrue my words with saying that the Spurs aren't going to be good either. Because I like it's, the Spurs. It's too late. I got the, the tape already recorded. <laughs> He's already manipulated it. Already going to be manipulated. <laughs> no, I'm playing with you. But we're going to go ahead and bring this show to a close because I know everybody's got things to do, and I know that we have kids that go to school tomorrow, so we got to get some sleep because we got to play teacher. <laughs> mm. Fantastic. So as we go ahead and bring this show to a close, Rudy and Carolina, or either one of you guys. You want to go ahead and let the viewers know where they can go ahead and catch your show on Sunday mornings. You can catch our show, The Sports Dime, every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. We are on the iHeart app as well. Podcast usually comes out around like 30 minutes, an hour after. It's on Spotify, pretty much everywhere you can uh, get podcasts on. Uh, but again, every Sunday, 10 to 11 a.m. I know it's an hour, but it's the best hour on a Sunday for everyone. We have a lot of fun. We have a great time. Everyone's loving it. We're loving it. Just tune in there. We're not joking. This is literally the best hour 
on Sundays. Like, I'm not even joking. We have so many people showing us love. We have so many people that love the show. We make each other laugh. We make y'all laugh. We're super interactive. We don't ignore you guys. We talk to y'all the whole time. We take your calls. And we we will basically, you know, we, we bow down to our listeners. So tune in. Uh, if you stuck with us through the whole Two Shots podcast, tune in uh, 10 to 11 a.m. on 9.30 a.m. The answer. I might call in on Sunday. I might be still drunk, but I'll call in. Yeah, you will. About <laughs> oh, time. About time. Yo, Usually I'm sleeping <laughs> off a hangover. I'm sleeping off a hangover We're at 10. We're wondering why you haven't called in. UFC. That's why I stay up late watching UFC, and then I usually buy a bottle, so... And then we're drinking beer. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, say no more. You know, I'm looking for babacoa around 11 o'clock, stumbling out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Typical San Antonio Hispanic. You need my babacoa and big red Getting on Sunday. your Sundays. big red and barbacoa. It better be all beef, yep. too. I don't want those entrails, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> what well, do you like, flour or corn tortillas? I like it both, but you know, I gotta go uh, with flour, man. I like flour. Yeah, it's both. yeah, Ben, where can they go ahead and catch you and all the great things that you're doing over there at Project Spurs? Well, like Joe said, you can catch me at ProjectSpurs.com. Got a lot of great prospect stuff for you guys. Uh, the Sadiq Bay versus Patrick Williams debate available for your viewing, your reading. I'm actually working on a on an article right now that's kind of got a that's going to debate should the Spurs trade up or should they trade down. So I'm going to look at both sides of that. You guys can decide, but uh, doing that at Project Spurs right now, if you want to argue with me on Twitter, yell at me, interact with me, make fun of me, whatever you want to do, I'm here for it. You know, we'll, we'll go back and forth with gifts. It'll be great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Boomstein and uh, would love to hear your takes on the NBA draft that's coming up in November. And hopefully the Spurs do something. Yeah, hopefully. Anything. Please. <laughs> they're going to do a lot. They're going to do a lot. Apparently, they're not going to be better and than I the Suns next year. I secretly hope Zeke Naji falls to 41. <laughs> Definitely not, but they will do something. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah, remember remember you heard it here Devin first. Booker drop 70 Car- Carolina says that the, Sp- the Suns are going to be better than the Spurs. That's the hot take of the century. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to... I think someone should call in about that on Sunday. Yeah, I think I think I'm not, I can't call oh in. Oh my god! <laughs> the suns will rise. Will rise in the west. Yeah, there we go. So you can also catch me in the Two Shots podcast, and I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Two Shots podcast, all spelled out: T W O S H O T S podcast. So I'd go ahead and talk sports or anything else in between with you guys, including the world of entertainment. Because we know how it goes, Rudy, me, you, Jeff, Ben. We go on these off-tangent discussions talking about masks. You know, from the 80s, the cartoon, the theme song was fire. We talk about Transformers and everything else. It gets crazy, and we love it, man. It, it's a good escape from the everyday grind. So for Rudy Campos Jr. and Carolina Teague and Benjamin Bornstein, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you guys for listening and watching another episode of Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind, we're out, peace.